0: Well good morning to those here at Central Hall and those joining us online just to say if you've got children here you can take advantage of the children work that's available this morning if you're at home then I'm afraid that's up to you to take care of your own children but before we move on to today's passage to look at the next part of the story of the big story I want to just mention Friday night the elephant in the room okay so Friday night England versus Scotland nil-nil draw was probably best for everyone right i'm england i'm english and was quite nervous i actually remember back to when england got to the semi-final of the world cup i'm sure many of you remember england getting to the semi-final of the world cup i'm not getting much love support for that here but england got to the semi-final of the world cup and i actually remember my neighbor who like it would seem many of scotland hates the english when it comes to football he came into my house and he walked into my house and I thought he was going to hit me, to be honest, because he was pretty angry when England got to the semi-final. He came into my house, put his hand out and said, well done. I said, well, on behalf of England, thank you. Thank you for that congratulations. It is also worth saying that a few days later, when England got knocked out of the semifinal, the children in the neighborhood, including my seven-year-old son, were out there singing, you're going home, you're going home, you're going home. So that was quite unkind, wasn't it? So that leads us brilliantly on to today's passage about church unity and how we love each other in a family and care for one another and look after one another. So we are in 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 12 and we're looking at how we are to be a family, a community, how we are to be the church. So 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eager, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So we are, potentially coming to the end of this crazy season we've been in the light is at the end of the tunnel where we start to look what could life after covid be and perhaps more than we've known in our lifetime there's an opportunity for the church to stand up and to see the hope in jesus declared to the world to the good news shared with those around us for the church to stand up and tell others about the incredible hope we have in jesus to show jesus through how we love one another through how we serve one another even this morning, I was just walking to church and I came through an area of Edinburgh and there was just such a spiritual atmosphere. There's just such a sense that I could sense in my being that people were just searching and desperately looking all kinds of directions. But we know that the hope is in Jesus. And now is our time to consider how do we more than ever perhaps be the body of Christ? Because it's all about Jesus. We see throughout scripture, it's all about him. We've seen through the journey of the Old Testament, it's all pointing towards Jesus, all prophesying towards him, all building up towards Jesus arriving, the Messiah arriving. And then in the New Testament, we heard from Eddie that Jesus lived and died and rose again. It's all centered on him. And he gave his body for us as a sacrifice. And then deliberately in this passage, say we realize that we are now the body representing Jesus. We're called to represent Jesus as the body The hands, the feet and mouthpiece of Jesus to be the good news, to share the hope we have in Jesus, to be Jesus here on earth, the spirit living in and through his people. Throughout 1 Corinthians, we see that Paul's desire is that God's people would behave in a way that honors Jesus. They would have an attitude that helps others see Jesus they would love one another in a way that people would see Jesus he's so concerned that the world around them would see the church in all its beauty and all its goodness looking to Jesus throughout the scripture we see that God's people the Israelites were called to be the light to the nations attractive and distinctive deliberately trying to show the world around them what loving community what loving family looks like but ultimately what it looks like when you center your life on Jesus And even the law they had wasn't meant to limit them. It was meant to show that actually the rule of God and not the rule of self is the best way of living. Living for God, living to serve others is the best way of living. It was meant to show an attractive and distinctive and different way of living. Throughout history, we've been called to show the world Jesus. The church is once again challenged to step up and to be Christ in all its beauty as we represent him About once a week I go for a run, last week I went for about 6k, which I know is remarkably far. I got back and I was absolutely kind of shattered and sweating and bent over, getting my breath back. And the children in the neighbourhood, the same ones who abused me about my love for English football, they, they always seem to ask the same question, they go, have you been for a run? I'm like, well, no, no, I've actually been to chess club, you know, I've just got back from chess club. But it should be so obvious that I've been for a run in the same way. But as the church, as we love and reflect Jesus, as we worship him, as we make him front to center stage is all we do, as we worship him and live for him and then allow that to radiate through how we love one another, it should be so obvious that we're the church. We're called to have Jesus at the center of everything we do. C.S. Lewis said this, In the same way the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christ's. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It's even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and everything is to be gathered together in him. We're called to show the world Christ through how we live and how we love. Now here's the thing, looking back at the passage we've just read. If I was going to be Jesus and think of people to represent me. I would not choose you. And I'm sure you would not choose me because we recognize we're broken. We make mistakes. We get it wrong. We let each other down. We hurt each other. But we don't have the luxury in the passage we've read to say, I don't need you. You don't have the luxury to say, I don't need you because we're connected. We're one body. And this smacks in the face of a culture which can often be idealistic, where we see on Instagram or we see in the world around us that the picture-perfect family or church is when we're all hugging and smiling and cinnamon tans and sipping lattes and singing kumbaya. But you come to church for a day and you realize that is not the reality. That kind of mindset can leak into the church because we have that picture-perfect view of what family and community and church could and should be. And of course we desire it, but the reality is we're broken people. And the church has to be the place where we come as we are with all our imperfections, all our hurts. We recognize that it's always going to be flawed and broken because we are flawed and broken. We are welcome to come to the family, welcome to participate in the church with all our imperfections. Of course, we want to be more like Jesus. Of course, we want to look and act and live more and more like Jesus. But we recognize it's always going to have its flaws while I am part of this church, while we are part of this church until Jesus returns. This is the body Jesus has chosen, you and I. He's chosen us to represent him. Sometimes you hear people say, well, you know, I hate the church. I don't like the church, but I love Jesus. I don't want to be part of the church, but I love Jesus. That's simply not an option if we read this passage, because we are connected. We are part of the body. We are called to be a family. We're called to represent him by how we love one another, by how we serve one another, by how we prefer one another. We're called to be family. Often as a church, we talk about the fact that we are a family on mission. We talk about the fact that we are called to the city, and that's absolutely right. We have to share the hope we have in Jesus. We have to share the good news, absolutely. But we are a family first. We are a family first. Being family is absolutely at the heart of who we are. We've, in the last year or so, really kind of deliberately invested in our care ministries. What does it look like to be caring for others and to be loving others and to recognize that the world is a different place and more so than we've known for many years, there's lots of hurt and brokenness and we need to respond as a church. Absolutely. But one of the things that's been quite obvious to me and the team in the last few months, and forgive me, I should have realized this years ago, but care isn't something that we do for the people outside the church walls. Care isn't something we do for the broken people because we are as broken as the people outside the church. We love one another. We care for one another. We look after one another. And that love and care flows out into the city. The desire is we model to the world around us what family could and should be. We care for one another. We love one another. What does it mean for us to have such a loving community that just flows out across the city, that people see our love and actions through our communities, through the wider church family? And again, this speaks to a culture that can be so individualistic. We can so easily be selfish. I can be selfish. My rights, my needs, my future, my career. But no, 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 we're called to be a family. Different ages, different generations, different stages, different backgrounds, different cultures. In the scripture we've read, it says equal concern for one another. There'll be no divisions among you. Jews and Gentiles deliberately saying that the different parts of the Christian community at that time, all one in Christ, we're called to be a community, a family, regardless of our diversity and our differences, our experiences, our brokenness, our backgrounds, our cultures, our ethnicity, because our unity is dependent on our diversity. Our unity is dependent on our diversity. We need each other to form the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we all come to Jesus recognizing that we have a part to play. So what's obvious in this passage we've read is that we need one another. And we all have a part to play. This passage makes it quite clear that we need all the parts. One of the things I quite like about being part of a Baptist church is that the Baptist church has got a rich heritage and history of valuing the priesthood of all believers, valuing the fact that everyone has a contribution. Maybe this morning, you just simply need to hear that you have got giftings, you have got God given talents, you have got God given contributions. You might look around and think, well, everyone else is so talented. What about me? But if we read this passage, if we realize we're created in the image of God, that simply cannot be the case. Every one of us has giftings and contributions. And also, as Paul's written, we realize that in order for the body to flourish, we need all parts to flourish. We need every contribution. We need every part of the body. We need each and every one of us to be inputting. So when one of us suffers, as it says in this passage, we all feel the pain. We carry each other. We're family. We carry each other when there's brokenness and hurt and pain. When people are struggling, when a weaker member is struggling, we get our arms around them. We encourage them. We get alongside them. If you ever had really severe toothache, you don't think to yourself, well, it's only my tooth, the rest of my body is absolutely fine. Do you, you do what you can to alleviate the pain. You do what you can to help that part of your body. We are called to carry each other, to serve each other, to lift each other, to build each other up. And we're also called to honor the hidden parts. Some roles will be up front, but m- many of the roles are behind the scenes. But we are called to nurture those and value those and honor those. Again, if you've got a you, you know that having a heart is absolutely vital vitally important, but it's invisible. You'd never be silly enough to say, I don't need the heart. We all have different gifts and contributions. What are your gifts? What are my gifts? Is it my generosity? Is it my time? Is it my welcome? Is it my Teaching gift, what is it that you bring to a wider body? How are you equipped and called by God to be contributing to your community, to this wider church family? I was chatting with Adele recently about a particular grouping. I won't share too much detail at this stage because it wouldn't be honoring to the person involved, but we were just saying, how can we help kind of be increasingly evangelistic because neither Adele or I would be old out and out evangelists and it's something we're trying to grow in. We're trying to think of different ways we could grow in this and different ways we can increase our evangelistic skills. What can we read? What courses can we go on? And then suddenly we realized that actually someone in this particular group was an absolute evangelist. If they sneeze, people come to know Jesus. They're just so good at sharing the good news. In our communities, where do we need to call out the gifts in others? Where do we need to nurture the gifts in others? Call out the gold. So often, perhaps it's staring us in the face, it's staring us right in our face, and we're looking elsewhere, but actually, the gifts are amongst us. What does it mean in the next few days to be? encouraging one another and calling out the good and nurturing the gifting perhaps that's all you need to hear this morning That your responsibility is just to encourage others in your community or this church family and say thank you the way you made me feel welcome was just so valued the way you're so generous with your time and money is just so appreciated sending a handwritten card and just saying you know the way you lead our community we just love it we are so grateful for how you contribute many of us need that encouragement particularly in this season to sort of be released into our giftings to be called out into our giftings to be honored in our different parts of the body what are our gifts what are our contributions what i also want to say just as we start to come into land is that we need to remember we're part of a larger body this is broader than central this passage says that we need to be in unity in one spirit. We need to, as there's one spirit, we need to be in unity. But I'm not sure that Jesus looks down and sees Central and P's and G's and Charlotte Chapel and Oxgangs and these different churches. I think there's a sense that this family is much broader and wider than that which is why that we pray for the persecuted church because when one part of the church body is suffering and struggling, we pray for them. We get alongside them. The church is across the world. It's a huge organization. It's a huge family to be part of, but we are one body. Jesus's one prayer, really, his last prayer to us, his followers, is John 17. And he's praying for us. He's praying that we would be together in unity. He says, Please be in unity as a Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in unity. He obviously foresaw the problems we'd have. he obviously foresaw the fact that because we're not perfect, we let each other down, we irritate each other, we get it wrong. He obviously foresaw the fact that churches would split and all the pain that would come with that. I wonder if he looks now and sees the 32,000 Protestant denominations across the world, and it, it saddens him to see how much divide there's been. I wonder if he looks at some of the times we've got, let each other down and hurt each other and thinks, children, children, just play nicely. Just look after each other. Just care for each other. What does it mean to be in unity with other churches? What does it mean to be in unity through all our differences, through all our mess, through all our brokenness? Recently, you may have heard, but Destinies, which is now sitting on a hill in Edinburgh, have just been through. A really crazy season and a difficult season and we've been praying for them and supporting them but we thought we have to be helping them as well so we offered them my building on Sunday afternoon just a simple sign of saying we want to pursue unity and here's why because in John 17 when Jesus is praying in John 17 it says are I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have sent me What he's saying here is that when we love one another, when we care for one another, people see Jesus and come to know him. When we stand together in unity, through all our fractions and brokenness, people see Jesus and come to know him. You see, we understand that we're called to share our faith, absolutely. We have to be people who share the good news. But if we're not in unity, then we're fighting with one hand. We have a privilege and responsibility to stand alongside each other, to stand alongside other churches and recognize we are one body. Next week, we're going to look at eternity when Jesus, the bridegroom, calls his church for bride to be with him forevermore. And perhaps the most beautiful illustration of the church is the bride. And it's wedding season and when you kind of after all these weddings that have been cancelled and postponed, many of us have got a few weddings this summer and you, you know when you're at a wedding, you don't see the bride and think, she'll do. Could have made an effort. You did turn to the person, you know, well, she could at least make an effort today or put some makeup on. Of course you don't. You say, wow, what a beautiful display today. You look incredible. That's how Jesus looks at us for all our mess. He looks at us with the ultimate love and affection we are the bride with all our brokennesses we get it wrong we hurt each other we let each other down we mess up But we forgive each other we keep going because we are family we are the bride of christ one day we'll be with him forevermore and no no more pain or suffering no more infighting but for now we try and model it here on earth saint augustine famously said the church is a harlot but she's my mother The church is a prostitute, but she's my mother. Deliberately provocative, basically saying, yes, we get it wrong, but it's still our family. Yes, we let each other down, but it's still our family. Let me close by just asking. This is probably the greatest opportunity of our lifetime as a church to really respond to the incredible need and opportunities that are presented before us. Are we going to step up? Are we going to continue to step up, not in a pressured way, but because we love Jesus so much, we want others to experience that incredible love and hope we have? Are we going to be a body who so deeply love one another and care for one another and carry each other? Are we going to be a family who really love and care for our city? Are we going to be a bride who passionately and boldly share the hope we have in Jesus? Because if the church doesn't try and show Jesus, then who will? The schools won't. The government won't. Society it won't. At large, won't. It's down to the church to represent Jesus as His body here on earth. What an opportunity! What a privilege! What a responsibility! I'm going to pray for us as we go into a time of worship. I actually wonder for uh, one or two people, just as I was walking this morning and praying. But what we need to do is perhaps practically think about how we can encourage one another and perhaps the hidden gifts and encourage others who perhaps have been just faithful servants to this church for many years or part of our communities doing the behind the scenes stuff, absolutely encourage one another. But I also wonder if for some of us there's hurt and pain from broken relationships or things that were said or things that were done perhaps years ago, and of course they were, wrong and the individual hurt you and that's absolutely valid but i just wonder if today it's about in your heart just laying it down and say i'm not going to carry that anymore because yes that person hurt me yes that person let me down but for the sake of the kingdom for the sake of a body i'm going to forgive them i'm going to lay it down this morning and not carry it forward we're called to be a family who forgive one another who get it wrong who let each other down but show the incredible grace of jesus Let me pray for us, and then we're going to have a worship song to close. Oh, Father, we thank you that you are such an incredible God, such an incredible friend and Savior, that you lived and died and rose again for me, for us. And I pray right now this morning where we need to just encourage someone else, I pray that you'd help us just to do that. I pray that where we need to be encouraged, you'd encourage us. I pray that you'd affirm us and affirm that we have a place in this church, that we have a place in your body, that we have giftings and contributions. I pray that you'd affirm those who are perhaps lacking that sense of self-worth this morning. Help them just to know the hope they have in you. And I pray that if there's anyone this morning who just needs to lay a particular hurt, perhaps a really deeply painful wound down, I pray that right now they would know just such healing and restoration because of what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.